48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Andrew Shirovsky. The headlines, MTR chiefs warn the network is buckling under the strain as scores of staff contract COVID and stations could have to close. The first of the SAR's new makeshift COVID hospitals opens for patients. And in Ukraine, President Zelensky accuses Moscow of war crimes and calls for a global boycott of Russian goods. MTR bosses have warned that they're facing enormous challenges to keep the railway network operating as scores of staff go down with COVID. Vicky Wong has the details. The rail operator says 270 staff members and contractors have tested positive for the virus in the past day, and it's warning that it will have no choice but to close some stations if the situation worsens. The corporation says more than a 1,000 workers have been infected since the fifth wave began. Many more have been unable to work because they're close contacts of patients or have been caught in overnight lockdowns. The MTR says it's had to sporadically close customer service centres. Fewer trains ran on the island and Chunmar lines this morning, with commuters waiting an extra 30 seconds for services. The MTR says trains will again run more slowly on the Chunmar line during the evening peak. A makeshift hospital in Qingyi has begun welcoming COVID-19 patients with no or mild symptoms. Almost 4,000 beds will be available at the emergency community isolation site, the first of a number that Beijing is helping to build. The chief secretary, John Lee, said on a visit to the site that he expected the first day to go smoothly. We have deliberately brought in staff who had previously operated other isolation facilities to ensure that any possible problems can be solved and identified and to formulate contingency plans to cater for different needs. I believe there will be special arrangements on the first day, but most importantly, we have staff with the most experience who are flexible in responding to any circumstances. There will be medical workers on site as well. Mr. Lee also appealed for calm amid reports of supermarket shelves being stripped of food and daily essentials, as some media said that a lockdown would be imposed. Mr. Lee stopped short of confirming that people would be ordered to stay at home during the forthcoming mass testing exercise, but said details would be released in good time. We absolutely understand that citizens are eager to know the details. We also know that we must inform everyone ahead of time so that they can make preparations. The government will definitely do our best in ensuring supplies of food and daily necessities, so everyone should not worry about it. At this moment, Hong Kong has sufficient supplies. The Labor and Welfare Secretary, Law Chi Kuang, says he's hopeful that temporary workers the government is hiring from the mainland to care for elderly COVID patients will be here within days. On a radio program, Mr. Law said half of the SAR's care homes have already reported COVID cases and lack manpower. He says the 1,000 mainland hires will arrive in batches to serve in isolation centers and care homes. They require no experience and can earn more than 30000 a month for a three-month contract. They can't start work once they arrive because most are without experience. When they arrive, they have to receive around three days of training before they can work. We don't have special recruiting requirements because they will be doing basic care work. But speaking Cantonese is very important, and because of this, there are some difficulties in recruitment, especially under Hong Kong's current epidemic situation. Meanwhile, the government has confirmed it is easing requirements for hiring care home workers outside of Hong Kong. 
Until the end of May, employers won't have to recruit locally for four weeks before deciding to bring in workers from elsewhere or pass applications to the Labor Advisory Board. The English Schools Foundation says forcing its schools to take an early summer break would have had a significant impact on learning and its ability to start the new academic year on time in August. Its chief executive, Belinda Greer, was commenting after officials announced yesterday that international schools would not have to follow local schools in starting the summer break this month. Ms. Greer cited the need to sit international exams and the expiry of teachers' contracts. Our academic calendar differs from local schools and we do have other operational differences such as teacher contract uh, arrangements. So in an international school, the teacher employment contracts are signed according to what would be pre-published school year dates. So our resigning teachers, those leaving Hong Kong, will leave at the end of June and the replacing staff um, will arrive um, early August. So it's really difficult for us to provide what would be full operations in July and August. Meanwhile, the Education Secretary, Kevin Young, says local schools will be allowed to offer online activities for pupils when they begin their early summer break this month. He says the break will allow pupils and teachers more flexibility when they take part in the compulsory mass testing. Officials have said they hope classes will resume in person after Easter. Appearing on a radio program, Mr. Young was asked whether pupils would have to take a rapid test before going to campus. We have to see how the citywide testing exercise and the epidemic unfold. For instance, in the latter half of last year, Hong Kong experienced a long period with zero infections. In times like those, do we have to be as strict as we are today? I believe people will be asking for many relaxations then. So I think we have to see the overall situation in making our decision. The Innovation and Technology Minister, Alfred Sitt, has defended the decision to stop notifying users of the Leave Home Safe app when they've been to the same place as a COVID patient. Mr. Sitt says that thousands of cases are being confirmed every day and the patients have visited many locations, so officials want to focus resources where they're most needed. Speaking on a radio program, Mr. Sitt said the exceptional times called for exceptional measures and he appealed for the public not to question the policy. Health officials say they've picked up nearly 430 preliminary COVID cases in two lockdowns in Kuntong and Xingyi. Some 2,400 people were tested in Saoyin House on the Sama Ping Estate and Chun Ho House at Chung Court. 382 cases were found in Kuntong and 45 in Xingyi. And now to the situation in Ukraine. The Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, has said that the Russian bombardment of Kharkiv amounts to a war crime. In a late-night video address, Mr. Zelensky said there were eyewitness accounts of civilians being deliberately targeted during a sustained attack on Ukraine's second-biggest city. Today, Russian forces brutally fired on Kharkiv using jet artillery. It was clearly a war crime. A peaceful city, peaceful residential areas, no military facilities. Dozens of eyewitness accounts prove that this is not a single false volley, but the deliberate destruction of people. The Russians knew where they were shooting. There will definitely be a tribunal for this crime. Mr. Zelensky called for the whole of Ukraine to become a no-fly zone for Russian aircraft. He also called for a global boycott of Russian goods and the closure of all ports and airports to Russia. 
Russia has been repeatedly criticized at the United Nations in New York during a day of emergency meetings about Ukraine. The U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres told the General Assembly that there were credible accounts of residential buildings and civilian infrastructure sustaining heavy damage. The Russian representative Vasily Nebenzia said Ukraine itself was to blame for the current situation. He said Ukraine had refused to give special status to the Donbass region, which had an ethnic Russian population. The root for the current crisis lies in the actions of Ukraine itself. For many years it sabotaged and flouted its direct obligations under the Minsk package of measures. Just recently there was hope that in Kiev they would reconsider and that they would indeed comply with what they had signed on to back in 2015. However, the latest confirmation from the senior leadership of the country was that Ukraine was unwilling to engage in this dialogue and unwilling to take steps to grant special status to Donbass. Meanwhile, China's U.N. ambassador told the meeting that nothing can be gained from a new Cold War between America and Russia. Zhang Jun said the Cold War mentality based on bloc confrontation should be abandoned. The incursion has forced hundreds of thousands of people to flee from Ukraine. Irina Faridi arrived in Poland from the Ukrainian city of Rivna with her daughter, sister and mother. She described her efforts to flee her home. It was so tough journey, 44 hours. I was driving only 165 kilometers. Uh, every uh, uh, 15 minutes we could move only uh, three five meters that's all or stay 30 minutes non-stop because uh, turn of car uh, is so long like almost 15 kilometers its line of car uh, plus another line people go by walk uh, to border with the children uh, on their shoulders on their hands it's like this authorities in new south wales have ordered 40,000 people to evacuate as flooding hits towns in Australia's most populous state. Emergency crews are attempting to rescue residents stranded on bridges in the towns of Woodburn and Lismore. A further 300,000 people have been warned that they may have to leave their homes. Dominic Perrottet is the, prime, is the premier of New South Wales. We've all seen uh, the devastating images of people uh, in the flood zones uh, in the northern rivers. Uh, we've seen people uh, stranded on roofs for hours. Uh, we've seen uh, children being rescued. Uh, we're seeing uh, people stranded on bridges. Uh, but importantly as well, uh, we're also seeing a community come together uh, in supporting one another to get everyone through. Uh, and that is the spirit um, of the people in the northern rivers and right across our state. In financial news, Toyota has stopped operations at all its factories in Japan for a day after one of its suppliers was hit by a suspected cyber attack. The firm said production of almost 13,000 cars would be affected. The BBC's Mariko Oi reports. No information was immediately available about who was behind the possible attack or their motive. But a suspected cyber attack on one of Toyota's major suppliers... Kojima Industries came just after Japan joined Western allies in clamping down on Russia after it invaded Ukraine. While it's not clear if the attack was at all related, Prime Minister Fumio Kishida has said that the government was investigating. Japanese factories account for about a third of Toyota's production, and it's unclear if they can resume operations on Wednesday. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 22,703. That's nine points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $60 billion. 
In currency, one U.S. dollar will buy you 115.14 yen. The euro is standing at one U.S. dollar and 11 cents. And the pound will get you 10 Hong Kong dollars and 47 cents. In sport, Russia's football clubs and national teams have been suspended from all competitions by FIFA and UEFA after the country's attack on Ukraine. The sports worlds and European governing, governing bodies said the ban is in place until further notice. More from the BBC's Dan Rowan. This applies to every Russian team, both club and uh, national team. So it means that Russia won't be appearing in the World Cup in Qatar later this year. They, they were due to play Poland, of course, in a, in a playoff match next month in Moscow. They, if they'd won, uh, they would face the Czech Republic or Sweden. But all these countries were saying that they would refuse to play against Russia. It also applies to the Russian women's national team. They were due to play at the Euros to be held here in England again later this year. It applies to a club like Spartak Moscow in the Europa League. This is the strongest move yet taken by uh, the international football community. Meanwhile, UEFA has ended its sponsorship deal with Russian energy giants Gazprom, and the International Olympic Committee has recommended that Russian and Belarusian athletes be banned from all international competitions. The Manchester City manager, Pep Guardiola, says his Ukrainian defender, Alexander Zinchenko, will play tonight against Peterborough in the English FA Cup. It will be his first game since his homeland was attacked by Russia. More from BBC's Paul Saris. Manchester City's Ukrainian international defender Alexander Zinchenko is set to play in Tuesday's FA Cup tie at Peterborough. Zinchenko was an unused substitute in City's win over Everton on Saturday and was visibly moved by displays of solidarity at Goodison Park. In tennis, Elena Svitolina has withdrawn from this week's WTA tournament in Monterey, Mexico, where she was due to play Anastasia Potapova of Russia. Svitolina says she will not play any match against a Russian or Belarusian opponent until the WTA and the ATP agree to list these players as neutral athletes. And the Green Bay Packers will visit London for their first regular season game outside the U.S. as the NFL confirmed its international fixtures for 2022. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium will host the Packers game on a date to be decided. And taking a look at the weather, we've got sunny periods, warm in the afternoon, one or two light rain and mist patches at night, light winds, and the outlook mild with sunny intervals in the next few days. One or two mispatches in the morning and at night. Cloudier with light rain on Thursday. The temperature is now 26 degrees Celsius. The relative humidity is 64%. And the top stories once again. MTR chiefs warn the network is buckling under the strain. And the first of the SAR's new makeshift COVID hospitals opens for patients. And in the Ukraine, President Zelensky accuses Russia of war crimes. That's the news from our THK. I can be a superhero, baby. The one that's gonna save you if you're in danger. You know who to call whenever you fall. I'll be there to catch you and come to your rest. That's right. It's a bird, it's a plane, oh baby, it's tingy You know I'm right here, girl, holler when you need me When life gets tough, I can make it look easy We can do the stuff that you see on TV Superman, be my lowest lane I'll be your Tarzan, you can be my Jane I'll make the sunshine when it's trying to rain I can ease your stress, take away your pain, uh 
I ain't tripping off the next man. Maybe I'm a beast, but I ain't trying to be an ex man. Number one, ain't gonna be nothing less than. No wetting, but I'm everybody best man. Baby, come and take a ride with me. Tell the getaway, come hide with me. Baby, take my hand, come fly with me. Baby girl, let me show you what I can be. Yeah. Welcome to the 123 Show with me, Sadia Osmani. My thanks to Phil for the morning brew. And yes, it's Tuesday, so we talk food and drink. After 1.30, my guest on Soundbite is Tegan Smythe, founder and CEO of the charity Grassroots Future. 
She joins me to share her favourite memories by sharing her soundbite, all linked to food. So that's all coming up. After 2pm, Andrew Dembina brings us his weekly fresh slice of local and global food and drinks news. And then after 2.30, my guest will be Heidi U. Sparrow, C. 